Welcome, everyone, to the Carry On Podcast, the podcast of Easter Lutheran Church. We're so glad that you are joining us today. I am Pastor Jay Carlson, and I am here today with... Pastor Megan Jorgerson. And Pastor Jen Hackbarth. Yes, happy Advent, everyone. We're continuing in this season of Advent, now into what our third week of Advent and the, f- the four-week season of expectant hope, waiting for Christmas and for Christ's coming into our world and into our lives. And this week, we're, as we continue the also the sermon series of People of Hope, we are going to be reading from another Old Testament prophet, the prophet Isaiah. Uh, this is from, from Isaiah 42, uh, kind of in the middle, a little bit towards the end of, of the prophet Isaiah, uh, kind of uh, one of the best known prophets of the Hebrew scriptures. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and also it's a longer book. Um, some of the shortest books in the Old Testament are, are some of the minor prophets, so-called, because they're you know, a, little, a little less important <laughs> than ones like Isaiah. Um, Isaiah is uh, I, a lot of chapters. And the catch about the book of Isaiah um, is that unlike uh, most of the other prophets, which are speaking to one particular place and time, one particular um, era in the life of God's people, we think that Isaiah... might be kind of three books. Um, As you read through the different chapters, you you can kind of feel a change in tone. And so first Isaiah, second Isaiah, third Isaiah are the kind of informal titles that get get put with the first, second, third uh, portions of the book of Isaiah. So first Isaiah is is the prophet writing to God's people ahead of exile. So this is when the southern kingdom still exists, uh, and there's these warnings that, you know, you have gotten off track, this road leads to destruction, get your act together, God's people. Um, but Isaiah 2 is much more a word of comfort, uh, a, a more gentle word, because it is very likely that by this point, the kingdom has fallen, God's people are in exile, And honestly, their hearts are broken enough. God doesn't need to get down on them any worse. So this is much more of a word of promise and hope to God's people in exile. Mm -hmm. And then third Isaiah 2 would be a similar kind of theme of of comfort or reassurance as people have returned from exile. um, uh, Remembering that some, there was that faithful remnant that stayed in in uh, Israel the entire time who were not forced to leave their homeland, in other words, and and then people who had been away and then were brought back who also saw themselves as a sort of a faithful remnant uh, uh, following God's promises to be back. So then there's a little tension as they're kind of rebuilding back in their homeland and coming home and things are not exactly the same. So there's there's reassurance there. Maybe a third Isaiah involved there too. So it's probably best not to assume that there's one author, Isaiah, who wrote all of this, but maybe some prophets who wrote in the tradition or in the school of Isaiah. There's some consistency across it all, but also, as you said, some differences in not only theme or topic, but kind of style, too. So it covers a lot of time, Um, and it speaks to a lot of people, and it has these really famous passages about the suffering servant and about the Prince of Peace, which is what we'll look into more today, Um, but there's also parts of Isaiah that have these terrifying words of judgment. Oh, yeah. And then there are also parts of Isaiah that have these gorgeous words of comfort. And so it really runs the gamut of all of these different types of prophetic uh, 
talk, right? Yeah. Messaging. And especially at this time of year in Advent, when some of the themes of Advent are, of Advent are a little more of a little more of a warning, right? Like get it back together, people, your savior is coming, or a word of a comfort. You know, you've waited so long, but the, the Prince of Peace arrives. You either way, whichever kind of version of, of, of Advent prophecy you're looking for, you hear it in Isaiah a lot. And so you do tend to hear a lot of Isaiah at this time of year because um, it's really applicable. It's really meaningful. And I think, too, really beautiful. The, mm-hmm. the, the writing in Isaiah yeah. is really, really lovely poetry. And, of course, the gospel writers who write about Jesus, had they were reading Isaiah a lot mm-hmm. and often. It was in their minds. They had memorized, probably, much of this scripture. So it makes sense that they would borrow some of that imagery and some of the words from Isaiah as they're describing who Jesus is as a fulfillment of God's promise. And Jesus himself read Isaiah. Yes, right. that's right, right. His <laughs> first public <laughs> yes. uh, sermon, we could say, in the in the synagogue, uh, in, in Luke Luke's gospel anyway, he goes and reads from the scroll of Isaiah and reads from one of the servant songs. You mentioned the servant passages, these servant songs that they're called. I think there's four of them in Isaiah, and this is one of them from Isaiah 42. In fact, it begins, here is my servant. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some debate about um, who is this servant that Isaiah is is referring to. There's been a lot of debate, a lot of conversation, a lot of ink spilled by theologians <laughs> about who this theologian or who this servant may be. Is it somebody that was living at that time or soon to be living at that time? Is it more of a future hope about this servant that Isaiah is is referring to? Is it someone within Israel or a foreign leader like Cyrus? Isaiah talks about God being at work through Cyrus, who is like an instrument uh, in, in fulfilling God's purposes. Uh, Could it be, and this is probably one of the more uh, commonly held positions, could it be just Israel itself as a community, that Israel, God's people of promise, are... God's servant that that Isaiah is referring to? Is it Jesus? As Christians, we look back on this and certainly see that Jesus is God's servant, God's chosen, and that is certainly appropriate and makes sense to there. Mm-hmm. to that uh, mm-hmm. that point as well. So what so, I hear you yeah. say, Pastor Jay, like there's, there's nothing but options. There's a lot of options, yeah. and I think they're all good options. I don't think we have to say that only one is the right option. In fact, I think maybe Isaiah was a little intentionally ambiguous about this, leaving it open so that we can see God's uh, promises fulfilled in our own lives, in our own times, mm-hmm. and uh, God is referring, or Isaiah is referring to all of us who who seek to be servants of God, ah, something to think about in this right. Advent season. Well, let's let's put some of those lenses on this text while we while we listen. Let's to it. read it, uh, Pastor Jen. Thanks yeah. for reading it. Here is Isaiah forty-two one through nine. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his teaching. 
Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, the new, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to be to God. So one of the things we hear about the servant in this servant song is uh, a concern for justice. He mm. will bring forth justice, not just for Israel, but for the nations. Um, this is... Uh, this has got a, a much more global uh, concern beyond the borders of Israel. Um, however, that justice that is is brought about doesn't seem to be like through um, military strength, like Cyrus or you know Babylon, uh, Persia, or King David, but more of a kind of slow, faithful process mm-hmm. here. Uh, he will not cry out or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. So there's a kind of quiet gentleness maybe to it. Instead, yeah. a bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. I like that image of a dimly burning wick. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that lately. Maybe it's because we've been lighting candles yep. in Advent. Um, but that that power of just, just one little little flame there may seem insignificant but can lead of course to very powerful things and Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what I have in mind when I I read that dimly burning wick there's a patience to it Mm -hmm. um, maybe a a hope that uh, expectant hope of of advent we we might say that something is beginning even though it seems small right Mm -hmm. now at the moment yeah well that's beautiful it's a different kind of power it's it is strong he will not grow faint. He will not be crushed until he has established justice for the earth. Um, but he's also, or she, I should say. Sure. Yes. Uh, that uh, it could, or yeah, that respecting a bruised reed, mm. not breaking it, respecting a dimly burning wick, that the power is not destructive power. Yeah. But it looks at the smallest things and lifts them up. I also like the cosmic level of this. Like in verse 5, it's, you know, it's very careful to say, Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens, who stretched them out, who spread, I mean, this whole, like, the God who has made all things fully beyond your comprehension, including breath and spirit and life itself, into verse, sec, verse 6, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. So there's this idea of, of the, the wideness of God, the expansiveness in God, but also the, the very specific, particular nature of God's relationship with, with us, with mm-hmm. with you, with me, right? Like mm-hmm. I, this is a this is a God who who deeply cares. You know, as we're hearing about a God who's 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 respectful and careful with with the tender and the delicate, but this is also a God of of wideness and of and of um, you know might and power and expansiveness, who's chosen to be known in a very particular, very personal, very relational way. Um, that's a really beautiful 
promise. Uh, yeah, the yes. imagery is so cool. Like yeah. You have this huge cosmic imagery, and then you have this tiny imagery mm. of a bruised reed. Mm-hmm. It's just a from the teeniest thing yeah. to like the biggest thing, mm. and that all of these things are important to God. Yeah, so this servant, whether it's an individual or a community, it is a, a particular servant, mm-hmm. um, maybe in in some sense small and and could be seen as as insignificant and yet in verse six i have given you as a covenant to the people a light not just to the people but to the nations to open the eyes that are blind to bring the prisoners out of out of the dungeon so that light light to the nations again here we have that same metaphor of light and Mm -hmm. and darkness that Mm -hmm. that uh, theme one of the the common themes of Advent. I was reading uh, a commentary, a a theologian writing about this passage, and she was just reflecting on light. And and she gave an example of if you were in a room and all the lights were out in this building, but you had one candle and then someone knocked on the door and said, can you open the door so that we can have a little bit of that light? You would do that. It would be fine to do that. You're not losing anything by sharing a light. Like that's kind of right. a kind of a, a, a unique characteristic of light that it can be shared without, you know, you yourself losing any of it. Unlike heat, for example, if you're in that same building and there's no heat and you had a little heater, you might want to keep that door closed. Invite people into the room if they want to get warmed up. But if you open it, then you lose some of that heat as it goes out into other right. cold rooms. But I think that's a, a nice, that's one thing that makes this such a nice metaphor um, for for God's presence with a particular community that that love can still be shared with other communities without losing it we're not less beloved by god by sharing that love you know across uh whatever boundaries there might be in our communities it's something meant to be shared yeah Yeah, the abundance of light Mm. and how there's always enough yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and that by sharing it you're not losing it but it's not a zero-sum game right i think that's that's a cool Mm-hmm. metaphor yeah and, and as we move through advent and start lighting more candles you know we kind of um we kind of embody that right like i even like when we light the candles from the other candles right this sense of of the light growing because it is being shared you know it, it, it's it's growing because it's it, that's all it knows how to do that's that's all light does it just it spreads it can be shared um it's kind of beautiful and and i think too of you know if you're in a really dark room um the the light that one candle throws is so effective yeah and then with each candle you light it's like oh my gosh it's so much brighter i didn't even it it's so powerful so quickly it's just a it's just a beautiful image so I really do appreciate that that image, especially at this time of year, as the days are getting shorter still and are all near the shortest that they will will be. That that image of light in the darkness is a powerful one for us in the northern hemisphere. Okay. I will say, last year I was in New Zealand in the southern hemisphere at Christmas time. It's odd to be lighting <laughs> candles and to be ta- singing these hymns about light in the darkness. It just doesn't seem right. Uh, they have other good hymns and carols in the in the <laughs> But I won't. I won't get into that right now. But I want to be mindful of our listeners in the Southern Hemisphere right now. I'm not sure there are many. If there are any of you, let us know. 
But anyway, but there is, I suppose, um, something else I'm mindful of with this imagery is that it can be kind of problematic. Mm-hmm. And I think we've heard, uh, I've heard and been glad to hear from others who have raised the issue of saying, well, you know, in our culture, we often associate light with good and dark with bad, which gets kind of, you know, could be also said white is good and black is bad. And when we're thinking about race relations and racism in the church and beyond, that that is problematic. Um, so there's been good correctives to that. Uh, Barbara Brown Taylor wrote a, a really interesting book called Walking in the Dark. And mm-hmm. she talks about God's presence in dark places. And that's something to be grateful for and blessed. Um, you know, so and of course there are there are other imagery, other images in the Bible or verses where God is present in the darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like Easter, for example. I mean, we talk about the the dawn, but it the 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 Gospels say that G- it was it happened it was at before, night. Yeah, it was like it was by the time this. I mean, the the women were coming to the tomb before the sun had risen, right? Yeah. And so it was still dark, and so while it was still dark, when when life overcame was in, in the dark of the day, but even more in the darkness of a tomb that had a stone rolled over it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that a, a miracle happened in the dark. Life came in the dark. I've also heard um, people reflect on, um, at this time of year, even more effective, Mary's womb, right? Like, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. The, it's dark in there. And, yeah. and this is where um, salvation itself has, has grown and lived. And so, to be careful to use some of these other metaphors as well and to say that it's not that you know that that black is bad and white is good it's that there's a variety of images uh, a variety of metaphors and they're all effective in their own way um you'll hear me for it for instance talk about um lighting candles against the shadows yeah. maybe like a, reminding us that in this metaphor the light isn't get about fighting against the the bad dark but about saying that oh this is how we see our way through Mm-hmm. This, is how, this is how we find our way. That's it for we who are in the northern hemisphere, and it's dark by three o'clock. Um, you need to be able to see where you're going. Yep. This is this promise that God sends us. Is like God will continue to help us see where we're going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and it, the light can mean like it's it's um, understanding, realization, mm-hmm. uh, intentionality. It's it's you know opening up our minds to things that are are new, which this. All of this is part of the journey of Advent, right. being mindful of, of the presence of God each day and um, and knowing all of that. So it, it can be, yeah, the metaphor is helpful, but it's also good to think about other ways mm-hmm. to to think about the message of Advent. Right. Yeah. I mean, even in the in this passage from Isaiah, you know, when, when God says, you know, I am the Lord, I have called you, what are some of the metaphors God uses? You know, I have given you as a light to the nations, so something that guides the way of other people, to open the eyes that are blind, to this, uh, this idea of, you know, granting sight, granting awareness, giving the ability to see and discern to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon from the prison those who sit in darkness keeping in mind that you know in this time if you were in jail you did i mean not that jail is exactly the most hospitable of environments now but particularly dark and dank and terrible mm-hmm. um so this idea again of, of being able to find your way of of being led of being uh coming out of a place of confusion and fear and into a place of, of clarity and, and vision and guidance. Um, this is what the promise is for us. And paying attention to people mm-hmm. who need that 
uh, who we need to serve or, or who we need to be aware of people in these situations where they aren't being respected, where they aren't being led. It, it's just so many, it, it's thinking about these, these societal problems and people who are experiencing oppression, marginalization, and, yeah. and how, um, how do we contribute to that? How do we work against that? Um, all yeah. of that is part of it too. Right. Yeah. And the, the passage and see the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare. There's this vision, this hope of a world of justice. Things are, are happening already. And Isaiah says, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So that's a very hopeful passage, um, fitting for our theme of people of hope in this this mm. season and also of course in our advent hope as we wait for for christ's coming yeah. well thank you uh that was a very good uh, discussion i enjoyed uh talking about the prophet isaiah and uh well let's see as we move on next week we're, we're kind of moving from from the old testament prophets and into the gospel so next week tune in onto this podcast and we'll continue with the gospel (laughs) of matthew but today thank you for joining us all of you as you listen to this podcast the carry on podcast which is the podcast of easter lutheran church where our mission is to grow in faith and carry carry on on the work of jesus christ thanks everyone